So we're back in the book of Acts, which is victory no matter what through our faith in Jesus Christ and power of the Holy Spirit. Both equally important, right? And the title for today is All Things to All Men. All Things to All Men, Acts 21, 17 to 26. And we're going to start off with telling a story about a haircut, as you're going to see from the passage. When, my, uh, when we were kids, <clears throat> my brother Todd had a friend named Brian, and he needed a haircut. So my brother Todd, he was young, I, maybe he was eight or nine, I can't remember now, but I remember the day very well. He said, uh, said I can do it for you for free. You don't have to pay me. I'll, I'll cut your hair. And he got out the cow clippers, and we had these, these uh, old clunky cow, cow clippers that you would clip the back. Just, we didn't shave the whole cow. We just did the back legs because they would get manure on it, you know, caked on it. So you'd have to use the cow clipper to, you know, get the hair off so that wouldn't get this manure on their legs. And also uh, on their tails. Their tails would be like in the gutter when they laid down and they'd flip them out of fly and there'd be bad things flying anywhere. So my dad would, we would shave the tail also, the bottom of the tail with that big hairy thing. We'd shave it off so it was just nubbed there. And, uh, and, and my dad finally ended up cutting their tails off. But that's a whole other story. Uh, a lot of cows, a lot of farmers do that with their cows because they don't want to deal with those tails. But, but we would, he would pay us. It was dirty work and it was a dirty job. So he paid us uh, big bucks. I can't remember like 20 cents a cow or something. But we would, we would he would pay us to shave these cows, right? So, my, so Todd knew how to barber a cow, so he told Brian, I'll cut your hair for free, all right? And I still remember walking into the yard where he was finishing up this haircut, and it was, it was, it was unbelievable. Just unbelievable what he did to his, fr- his friend, right? We were all cracking up. We were, you know, come and see this. <clears throat> I think we were telling neighborhood kids, come on over and see this. You know, everybody had to come and see what happened to uh, Brian's haircut. And my mom was mortified, mortified, you know. She didn't want to send him home like that. So she said to my dad, please fix his hair somehow. I can't send him home like this. So my dad got human clippers. And my dad wasn't much better, by the way, with cutting hair. But anyway, we won't go into that whole story. He traumatized me several times, but he tried to he tried to fix the, this this haircut. But the problem was the cow clippers dug so deep that it went right to the skin, so it was just white streaks. So even though my dad was clipping it, you, there were still all these white streaks. Nowadays it would be in style, right? But back then it was a big deal. And uh, and then he he it was such a mess that he kept trying to get up where there was enough hair to leave something, and he ended up with like a carrot top. Remember the carrot tops, yeah? And this guy had red hair. Brian had red hair. And he had this carrot top, just this little thing on the top, a carrot top. It was unbelievable. Oh, it was bad. He went to school the next day in a hat and all that, but it didn't matter. Everybody pulled off the hat. We, were all, we had fun for weeks with Brian, you know, before bullying was illegal. I, uh, so, you know, he was a bully, too. He was a bully. You know, Brian bullied us, too. But, but the good old days where we could actually laugh at each other, right? So... <clears throat> Not mean bullying, but just you know, having fun with each other. And so it was just a mess. He just took a lot of kidding, and, and he took it in good nature. He was, he was a really good guy. But we're going to see Paul give some crazy haircuts to try to save himself a big mess today. Wait till you see this one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for each person that's either here or listening somewhere. We know that you have something you want to do in each of our hearts and each of our lives. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit would do that. And if anybody here has never put their faith in Jesus, that that would happen today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so let's read the passage. Acts twenty-one seventeen. 
starting with verse 17. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed and all of them are zealous for the law. I better use this version just in case. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. So do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so they can have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know there is no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality." The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the date when the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for each of them. Okay, so uh, we see that a rumor was spreading. A rumor was spreading that the Apostle Paul taught the Jews who were living out in the Gentile areas, not the ones in Jerusalem, but the Jews who were living out in the Gentile areas, the rumor was that he was telling them not to follow the law anymore. And especially don't circumcise your children or follow the customs of the Jewish customs, which wasn't true. This was a false accusation, a false accusation. OK, now, Paul was teaching the Gentiles. We've seen this. Paul was teaching the Gentiles that they don't have to follow the Jewish law, right? Because they're not Jewish. They don't have to follow it. And they were not being saved, they didn't have to become Jewish to be saved, right? By they're only we're not saved by if you're a Gentile, we have Jewish people here too, but if you're a Gentile, we don't have to become Jewish to be saved. We are saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. So he was teaching them you don't have to become a Jew, you don't have to follow the law, you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And James and the leaders had already backed him up. Remember back in Acts fifteen, the big conflict that was was had? And they repeat their decision again here in verse 25, when they said, as for the Gentile believers, we have written to them out our, them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. So they were stressing, you still have to live holy. You can't deal, you can't be sacrificing animals to idols. No idols, no more sexual immorality, and all the, the things connected to that. But, but you don't have to follow every law that was given to Jewish people. You have to live holy lives. And you're saved by faith alone in Christ alone. You don't have to follow the Jewish ceremonial law, but also don't follow the immoral pagan practices. Okay. Paul was also teaching that the Jews didn't need to keep the law for salvation. They don't have to keep it from salvation. Remember uh, Romans 3.21, where it says, But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been known, been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes to faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference. So he did teach very clearly, you're not saved by the law. You're saved by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. But Paul never said it was wrong to keep the law. 
Never said it was wrong. He was keeping it, not for salvation, not because he had to, but because he did it because it was he was Jewish. And, and it's okay. If you're Jewish, it's okay to keep the law. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you know that it doesn't save you and it does nothing for your sanctification. We are saved by putting our faith alone in Christ alone. And we're sanctified by, by living a holy life for Jesus Christ. That's what sanctifies us. So the accusation against Paul was false. It was false. Although he never backed down that you don't, are not saved by the law and you don't really have to follow the law, but it's okay. He never said don't do it. Never said don't do it. So it was an accu- the accusation against Paul was false. <clears throat> but James knew that the Jewish believers, these are the Jewish believers, would need visible proof. Would need visible proof. So he came up with a great idea. A haircut. Verse 24. Haircut. Uh, <clears throat> take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so that they can have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know there's no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. So he comes up with this idea to get a haircut. Just like back in Acts 18.18, remember when we uh, did Acts 18.18, Paul also did the same thing. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time, then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Sencria because of a vow he had taken. He had already, we had already seen Paul do this very thing back in in, uh, Acts 18. He got the skinhead look back then, and he's getting the skinhead look again, okay? This is what he's getting here in Acts 21. And he is doing this because, and the reason James came up with this idea is because you couldn't miss it. You couldn't miss it. He had shaved his head. You couldn't miss it. All will now realize there's a visible, uh, you know, you know, visible light shining off of his head saying, I am still following the Jewish law. It was a Nazarite vow that he's doing, and there was no missing it. It's kind of like St. Baldrick's Day. You know, when there's St. Baldrick's comes around, and, and different people in the church and in the community shave their head to raise money for childhood cancer. Well, you know, they are doing that for childhood cancer, that someone overnight goes, you know, no hair, right? And so that's, that's the same idea. They're, he's sending a clear, visible message to everybody who sees him that Paul is still following the law. Still following the law, okay? So, why? Why, though? Why get buzzed? Why get this haircut when there's no need? You're not saved by the law. And even if you're Jewish, you don't have to follow the law. You don't have to do it. Didn't Christ come to fulfill the law? Why did he do that when he didn't really need to? Right? Why did he do that? 1 Corinthians 9 19 to 21. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself are not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those who are those not having the law. That's why he got 
the, 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 the skinhead look here. That's why he got his head shaved. When he says, when I'm with the Jews, you see this in 1 Corinthians, <clears throat> when I'm with the Jews, I follow the law <clears throat> even though I don't really have to. And now I'm talking about the ceremonial law, not God's moral law. The Ten Commandments was before, before God gave the law, and it's in the New Testament. That's, that's God's moral law. Not, I'm, not, I'm talking about the ceremonial law. Uh, holiness is God's moral law. Do you see that from Genesis to Revelation? But, but the ceremonial law, the ceremonial parts, shaving your head and this, those types of things, didn't have to follow. Didn't have to follow. Uh, even circumcision, don't really have to follow it. That's a choice, you know. But, but so I'm making the distinction between the moral law and the ceremonial law. And, and, he, and he says, uh, when I'm with the Jews, I follow the ceremonial law even though I don't have to. Why does he do it? Because he wants to remove any roadblocks to sharing the gospel with them. He wants to remove any roadblocks. And when he says, when I'm with the Gentiles, he says, <clears throat> when I'm with them, I don't follow the Jewish law. I don't worry about all these little, you know, things, you know, the little ceremonial parts of law. I don't, although I'm still under God's law, he says, he's still under the Ten Commandments. He's still under all the, the, the parts of the law that are about holiness, which were just reinforced later in the New Testament. And also even became before God gave the law to Moses. It's all there in the Bible before. We're still under that God's holiness. In the moral part of the law, the Ten Commandments were still under that. But he says, but I, although I'm, not under, I'm still under God's law, I don't have to follow the Jewish law when I'm with the Gentiles. Why? To make it easier for me to share the gospel with the Gentiles. He wants to, whatever will get the, whatever will not put a wall up with the Jews, he does when he's with the Jews. Whatever won't put up an unnecessary wall with the Gentiles, he does when he's with the Gentiles. And then here comes the climax, why he's doing it this way, why he's focusing on it. In 1 Corinthians 9, right after this, verse 22 and 23, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Memorize those two verses. Memorize those two verses. Huge. He says, we, we have to become all things to all men to save some. That's the focus. For the sake of the gospel, so that we can share in its blessing. So we can share in its blessing. When we share the gospel, when we share the good news of Jesus Christ, we, we tell someone how to become a Christian and, and put their faith in Jesus. When we do that, we <coughs> share in the blessing. Philemon's, Philemon verse 6. There's only one chapter in Philemon verse 6 where it says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. The only way you're going to really fully understand how the great things we have with Christ Jesus is if we're sharing our faith. Do I have an amen from Chuck Harrison there? Actively, constantly looking to share. It, 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 it's, 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 it's a blessing. We, we get this blessing. They, it, we, the blessing is mutual. We share in the blessing. Their blessing is they become saved. They put their faith in Jesus Christ. They're saved. Our blessing is we also get a spiritual high. 
They get saved, and we get a spiritual high. You don't need to smoke pot. You don't need to take mushrooms. You don't eat the mushrooms. You know, hear all this talk now. You just have to share Jesus Christ. You'll get a high. You'll never come down. It's awesome, isn't it? When you actually get to share your faith and even lead some to Christ, it, they, you can't explain it. It's a spiritual high. We share, and they get saved. We get a spiritual high sharing in that blessing. Are you getting that? Are you enjoying that? It's awesome. It's awesome. It's addictive, right, Chuck? Harry said? <laughs> it's addictive. All right. All things to all men for the sake of the gospel. All things to all men for the sake of the gospel so people can be saved. That is the focus of what this, this passage. Now, I want to say what this doesn't mean. This does not mean that we compromise biblically in any way. Being all things to all men does not mean we ever compromise biblically in any way. Here in New Hope, we cannot be known as a welcoming church. We cannot put out the rainbow flag that you see some churches putting out all around Bucks County, right? We, are, we cannot do that. That would be compromising biblically. We can't even, we can't even avoid the subject of homosexual, homosexual sin. We can't avoid it. And, you know, I talk about it, I, but whenever I talk about it, I always mention all the sexual sins together, right? Because that's no worse than any other sexual sin. Any sexual activity outside of a husband and wife marriage is sin. The Bible teaches that clearly. So I will talk about homosexuality being wrong, but I talk about adultery and premarital sex and everything else that goes with sexual sin, pornography, talk about it all the same time, okay? Because they're all equally serious in God's sight. Very, very serious. Uh, but but we, we can't avoid that subject. I know a lot of churches, even so, so-called solid churches, that won't talk about it. They avoid the subject. And so people get the idea that it's okay. I remember years ago there was a kid in our youth group and, and went home and told her mom that in the youth group they mentioned that, you know, they're talking about sexual sin and homosexuality came up and it was wrong. And the mom called me freaking out. How dare you tell my daughter at your church that homosexuality is a sin? And I said, well, sorry, we followed the Bible and Jesus said, you know, sexual sin and, you know, we gotta, we gotta go along with it. You know, we can't start our own religion here. And she said, well, I'm gonna take my kid over to XYZ church, because they'll never say it there. And you know what? She was right. They believed it, they would never say it. And so you have a whole church load of kids there that think it's okay. Think it's okay. And one time I know the pastor did mistakenly mention that homosexuality was sin. He slipped, <laughs> like a Joel Steen moment, you know. And uh, he slipped, and, <clears throat> and they had to have a big meeting. There was I think it was 180 people showed up with pitchforks, a mob, spiritual mob. How dare you say it was a sin? We thought everything was okay here at this church, you know, and they, they smoothed it over and moved on, you know. We can't do that because we are allowing people to buy a lie. And it's, it's very, very serious. We, we can't avoid it. We must speak the truth in love. In love, uh, Philippians 4, we must speak the truth in love. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Listen to this. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, 
nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. If you're not inheriting inheriting the kingdom of God, where are we going? To hell. That's what he's saying. But look at what he says. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That is speaking the truth, but we do it in love because we don't want people to go to hell. We don't want people to live in this this bondage here, this emptiness, that whole list. We're not just picking on one thing, that whole list. We don't want people to live like that. And once again, all sexual sins are equally Serious. We also can't compromise biblically in this way. We cannot march in the pride parade. Christians cannot march in the pride parade down in New Hope. Can't do it. I remember I, there's a new Christian store owner years ago now. He's long gone. Uh, and he wanted to meet with me. You know, I heard there was a church. and He wanted to meet with me. He's a Christian from the other church. And then we got talking. And he's a Christian in New Hope. And he's trying to figure out how to do this as a Christian. And he says, well, I, you know, I, I, I was just mar- marched in the parade. I said, you did he goes, yeah, well, I just felt pressured. I just felt like if I didn't march in that parade, I, that people would look down on me in New Hope. And I go, I said, we're battling in New Hope, killing ourselves here, tr- helping people come out of that life, be transformed by Jesus Christ, being set free, and you're giving them a pat on the back. You know, what are you doing? You know, and you know how I am. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> I admonished him, and uh, he never talked to me again. But anyway, but it's true. He, I, I was hoping he'd say, I, 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 I repent. I shouldn't have done that. I, I don't know what I was thinking. He was, I know he was wrestling, but, but he, he, just, he was just caving in, caving in. It was crazy, crazy, and, and heartbreaking. We cannot compromise biblically, but we are called to connect we're called to be all things to all men. It can't compromise biblically. We're called to connect. We're called to be all things to all men here in New Hope. How do we do that? How do we do it? We cannot march in their parade, but we can walk the talk. We cannot march in the parade, but we can walk the talk. And I'll give you an example. The AIDS walk. Some of you who were here when we started 23 years ago, the first service, we had policemen and protesters. And you remember all that? All right. And the next week, there was going to be an AIDS walk. And they were trying to help raise money for people with AIDS, struggling with AIDS. And and they were going to have this walk and it was going to be a big deal. And we're like, oh, my goodness. The first week we have policemen and protesters. The next week we have this AIDS walk. We're not even going to be able to use the parking lot. You know, it's crazy. And we're like, what are we going to do? And one of the guys in our church, I think it was Tom, so you remember him. He said, why don't we get involved in the AIDS walk? Genius, right? I mean, they're coming, the mission field's coming to our parking lot, you know? And, and we're like, that is a great idea because we care about people with AIDS. We love, we want to help people with AIDS. We love people. And, and it was a great opportunity. So that's exactly what we did. I called the organizers and I said, oh, I'm the pastor. He goes, oh, yeah, we were expecting you to call. I'm like, I said, well, we want to help. What? We want to get involved. How can we help? Silence. I go. I go. We're thinking about uh, having a team walk in the mar- in the walk, the AIDS walk, 
And we're also going to bring uh, stuff to hand out, drinks, energy drinks and energy bars. And he goes, what are you going to charge for it? They watch TV. I go, no, we're just giving it away. You mean for free? Yeah, free. Great. We're going to set up a table for you. We get there the next week. It was front and center. They had a big banner set up for us. New York Community Church. They were so touched. They said, we never had a church help us before. Even though this was the first one in New Hope, but we never had one in all the other areas. We never had churches connected with us. We never had anybody. They were, they were just stunned. And after that, we went from there to, you know, having teams. And then we started using our sound system. And then we had the next years after this went on for 15 years before they stopped doing it. We were, we were like front and center. We used our sound system. We canceled our church service so the whole church could walk in it with all our blue shirts on. A lot of you remember that. And I became very close with a lot of these organizers of the AIDS walk. And they said, you know what? We know that you don't agree with us on a lot of our positions, or any of them. <laughs> but we know that you care about us. This is a real church. Crazy. It's crazy. We then got connected with the AIDS house, which nobody was connected with. Even the homosexual community wasn't connected with the AIDS house, believe it or not. They, the AIDS, people in the AIDS house said we're like lepers in the community. Nobody. The homosexual community, the heterosexual community, nobody wants anything to do with us. Well, well we jumped on that, didn't we? Became very close with the, the folks in the AIDS house. At one point, every mem- everybody in that AIDS house was come to our church. They were getting saved. They were getting baptized. They were, some of them were part of our church for 20 years. Some just recently passed away. You know what I'm talking about. And finally, it was so effective that one of the higher-ups in, in the AIDS house blocked us. They started telling everybody in the AIDS house, you're not allowed to go to that church. Because people were not just getting saved, but they were being free from their lifestyles, and they were transformed, and it was making them crazy. So they blocked them from hearing the truth. Where we can, we can connect, we can make friends. Oh, did this for 15 years. I almost forgot to read this. Uh, they actually put us, they actually put us in a, a, in the fact, has a fact, fighting AIDS continually together in Bucks County. They actually gave us a, a, a big article, supporter spotlight. Let me just read this because this shows what, being all thanks to all men, what I'm talking about. They have a picture, as you can see, they have a picture of Kim and I with a bunch of our kids there. And they said, uh, supporter spotlight, Pastor Chuck and New Hope Community Church. Fact of Bucks County has often been recognized for its support of the community. It is with great pride and gratitude that we return the favor and recognize the ongoing support of a truly community-minded organization, the New Hope Community Church. 
founded in 2000, this was like 2005, founded in 2000 as a non-denominational Christian church, they, the devoted congregation is under the astute and compassionate leadership of Pastor Chuck Wilson. These guys are big. They're sharp. Yeah, okay. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm kidding. Fact first became acquainted with this welcoming and giving group while organizing our first AIDS walk. Ironically, the congregation celebrated its first worship service one week before our first walk on October 1st, 2000. The walk, which begins and ends at New Hope Soberry High School, was likely to cause interruption in the church's services and parking arrangements. But before we could connect with the church to discuss the matter, Pastor Chuck contacted walk chair Chris Beagle. Remember Chris? What a great guy to find out how they could best accommodate us. How could they accommodate us? Shouldn't it have been the other way around? One would think. But the simple example which created the birth of a wonderful friendship between our organizations personifies the willingness and support that Pastor Chuck and his congregation have provided fact for over five years. Not only did the church offer to change its service time, church members arranged a team of walkers while still more members provided and staffed a refreshment booth. The sound system has also been provided by New Hope Community Church for every AIDS walk event. I can read this. Um, the church has long been involved in many community activities and also is known for an inclusive position towards embracing new members into its congregation. Now, notice something. We never budged biblically. Never budged. But they still call us welcoming and inclusive, even though we never touched the gospel or the, that homosexuality is a sin, we never moved an inch. And we took a beating for that with some parts, right? But they still call us loving and inclusive and welcoming, even though we have not budged one inch biblically. Because we were all things to all men. An inclusive position toward and embracing new members into his congregation. Most residents of Bucks Villa and New Hope the residents operated by Bucks County Family Services to provide housing to individuals living with HIV, AIDS, have become members of New Hope Community Church. Due in a large part to this inclusive position. According to Pastor Chuck, most of these individuals have even maintained their membership with the church after moving on from their residence. Another NHCC member, Dr. Julie Stone of Buckingham, is currently working with AIDS patients in Cameroon, trying to get medicines and treatments to as many victims as possible, all the while carrying out the mission of the church along the way. Perhaps most significant is the church's financial support and sponsorship of the AIDS walk, 
NHCC has been one of the one of five gold level or higher sponsors in each of the five years of the walk. Given its own goal of raising funds for their ministry, it's even more uh, amazing. We wish you well in achieving this important goal. And without advocating any particular religious affiliation, extend our sincerest thanks and look forward to many more years of supporting our community together. For more information about New Up Community Church phone, phone number, website. Unbelievable, huh? For those who lived through that, you know what I'm talking about. Fifteen years, we were connected, closely connected. Most of these people have moved away, but we can make friends. Stay biblical. Stick with God's truth. Don't budge an inch. We can speak the truth in love. We don't have to hide anything. Oh, no, we have not. Yeah, but but we can still make friends and have close relationships showing the love of Jesus Christ. Listen, Kim and I have been in places that most Christians have never been in before. We've been invited into these places that were shocking that Christians were there. And while I was there, I met a pastor one time who had walked away from his faith. But we've been there. We were welcomed with open arms because they knew we cared. Knew we cared. It's where is God calling us? Where is He calling us? To whom is He calling us? It might be the last person you ever wanted to reach. It might be the last place you ever wanted to go to. But will we be all things to all men so that we can save some? So we can save some. Memorize to the weak, I became weak. Verse 22, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak I become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Will we be all things to all men to save some? Will we, will we live out and share the gospel? Will we live out and share the gospel? Will we preach the power of the gospel? Will we preach it? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Again, the power of the gospel. Look at what he's talking about. He's talking about all of us. Do you not know the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor uh, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexual offenders, nor... I'm sorry, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. That's what we all were. But look what he says. But but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That is what has happened to us. We were washed clean by the blood of Jesus. We were sanctified, set apart with Jesus Christ. We were justified just as if I never sinned through the faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we have to live that out and share that with people and share the love of Jesus Christ. No matter what sin has got them by the throat, no matter what sin was had us by the throat, we have been forgiven and set free, washed, sanctified, justified through our faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what sexual sin. That's kind of what I'm focusing on this morning. It doesn't matter what sexual sin, whether it's homosexual or heterosexual, 
heterosexual sin. It doesn't matter. And heterosexual sin is just as serious, whether it's premarital sex, whether it's adultery, any sexual activity out Activity outside of a husband-wife relationship, very, very serious to God. It doesn't matter. We can still, whatever, whether it's homosexual, heterosexual, sin that we struggle with, we can still be washed, sanctified, justified. It doesn't matter if it's pornography or self-sex. We can be washed, sanctified, justified. It doesn't matter if, if we, we've have been involved with a rape before. It doesn't matter if we're involved with pedophilia or fighting that temptation. It doesn't matter. We can be washed sanctified, justified. It doesn't matter if our sexual sin has led us to abort a baby, kill kill our baby. It doesn't matter. We can still be washed, sanctified, justified. Any one of us and everybody out there can be washed, sanctified, and justified by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then after we do put our faith in Christ and we've been washed, sanctified, justified, we can live free. We can live free. It's called progressive sanctification. It doesn't just disappear. Some things do, but a lot of things hang on. We've got to fight them daily, right? But by progressively being sanctified, there's positional sanctification. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, you are with Jesus Christ. You're under his righteousness. You're saved. It's done. But then progressive, the Bible teaches progressive sanctification. That's when we make progress in our holy living, in our life. We make that progress. That's progressive. And that's a day-by-day battle, second-by-second, minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour, day-by-day, you Year by year, and we see progression. It's a long, tough battle. It's progressive. But we, we achieve that by coming to Jesus Christ. We, by coming, coming to the throne. Hebrews 4, 14 says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone be- through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And here it comes. Here it comes. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We need to daily, hourly, minute by minute, approach that throne of grace. God is on, the Father is on that throne and His Son makes a way right to that throne. We have to constantly come to Him and ask for mercy and grace. Mercy is forgiveness and grace is the strength, the, the, the gift of strength to fight that temptation or that struggle that we're in, whatever we're dealing with. We have to constantly be coming and saying, God, forgive me, help me, forgive me, help me. We have to constantly do that and as we do that, we're going to start to see the, 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 the strong breaking we're going to see their strength breaking and, and we're going to start to live free of them it takes time it takes years it could take our lifetime but we keep fighting by god's mercy and grace mercy and grace every second i all day long i'm like god mercy and grace mercy and grace i must say it a thousand times a day it's a reminder god forgive me and help me forgive me and help me and then that's how we can live free and then sometimes we still need to talk to someone we talk to god but sometimes we still need to talk to somebody james 5 16 says this he says therefore confess your sins want to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective it's very important to to confess our sins to each other if there's something that's so strong there's something about confession that breaks its power when you share with someone don't just tell anybody find someone you can trust find someone that you know will keep it confidential 
that you know will hold you accountable, tell that person. And, and if you need to talk to someone about a struggle, talk to me or Kim and we'll connect you. I have people all over this church. I don't care what you struggle with. I've got someone for you. We've got everything covered here. Believe me. And then some. I'll start naming. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. We can cover it all. No, I'm not going to be a what? You've done what? You think what? No, no. I mean, hey, I got someone for you. We got it covered here, right? But we, we have to get our healing. We go to God and we go to other Christian brothers and sisters. Get your healing. Get your healing. Anything on that list, we've got it covered. Get your healing. Will we be all things to all men so that we could save some? And maybe you're here today and you need to be saved. You've never been saved. You're the one who needs saving. We all do at some point. You've never been born again. John 3.16 tells us how for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Said, God, I don't want to sin anymore. I repent of that old life. I walk away from that. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. His death on the cross for me to wash me. His, his resurrection from the dead for me to sanctify me. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I give my life to him. Let's pray. How was the Holy Spirit speaking to us through his word? These are powerful verses. Life-changing verses. Eternity-changing verses. What is God speaking to you about? Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is calling you, saying this is the day. Now is the day of salvation. Calling you right now to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Wherever you are sitting, wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, this very moment you can take that step of faith. The simple prayer of faith in God's word. God, I repent of my sin the garbage, my old life, I repent of it. I don't want it anymore. I want Jesus. Please forgive me. Wash me. Justify me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Jesus, I put my faith in you. I give my life to you. I put my faith in your death and resurrection for me. To pay the price, to set me free, to wash me. I put my faith in Jesus.
If you've prayed that prayer of faith, the Bible says you've been born again. Jesus said you must be born again. And you have just been born again. You've been born spiritually. You're a baby Christian now. You better tell somebody because babies need help. We're going to be excited and we're going to help you grow. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe somebody here. You have a family member or a friend here. Fill out the card and stick it in the box on the way out. Text me, call me. It's all in the bulletin there. Tell me on the way Tell somebody so we can be excited for you and help you grow in your new life in Jesus Christ. For those of us who are already Christians, how has the Holy Spirit been convicting us to be all things to all men, to save some for the gospel? Who is he putting on our heart? Where is he putting on our heart? Might be the last person you want to talk to. Might be the person giving you the hardest time in your life right now. Father, we thank you for allowing our church to be a light here in the New Hope Lambertville area. Lord, I pray that you would give us the blessing of reaching many people for Jesus Christ. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.